Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. You may have read in the news that there's an island off New Zealand some 48 kilometers into the sea, a volcanic island called White Island. Well, in December of 2019, a ship, the Ovation of the Seas, stopped there because cruise ships regularly stop and tourists go onto the island and they have a look around and it's quite a fascinating thing. The last time the island ever erupted was in 1980. And so some 47 people disembarked and went onto the island. And while they were looking around uh, in December, 2.14 in the afternoon, December the 9th, 2019, Suddenly, the island erupted. A massive explosion took place, sending debris and hot lava into the air. And uh, 21 of the people on the island were killed, including two who are currently considered missing because they couldn't be found and declared dead. And then some 26 people suffered injuries, many of whom suffered very, very severe burns. Well, young Stephanie Brout was one of the group that was on the island, and she lost her 21-year-old sister and her dad in that terrible explosion. And she experienced third-degree burns on 70% of her body and was hospitalized and treated, and she's had numerous, numerous skin grafts. She said they've been so painful because where you take the donor skin from, she said that's even more painful than the burn sites, and she's had to endure this, and it's been very, very difficult for her. Also, sadly, they had to amputate her fingers because she experienced such terrible burns. And for the last seven months, She's been trying to recover from what I would call unexpected pain and suffering. How many of you know when those people landed on that island, they never expected that they would be either die or go through such terrible, terrible suffering? And you know, many, many people today have faced the COVID-19 and are going through incredible suffering and trouble and never, ever expected. We didn't expect for this thing to explode on us the way it has and for us to go through times of pain and suffering like we've had. We're feeling the burning effects of this close to home. You know, just this week, a number of people again have passed away, relatives and people in our church, as a result of COVID-19. And it's completely unexpected and people are taking strain and suffering right now from the effects of this virus and many people can't make sense of the suffering. So I want to speak to you today on dealing with trouble and suffering. Many people don't have a theology of suffering and so they have a theology that God is good and does good and they expect prosperity but when suffering comes along they don't know what to do, they don't know what to believe, they, they either blame the devil which is not the thing to do and uh, they accuse God and they start to doubt their salvation and many Christians in a time of suffering and trouble are at risk of falling away. You know some time back I spoke to you about old atheism because we have what's called new atheism. And old atheism was when people didn't believe God because they said, I don't see evidence for a God, so I don't believe there's God, I see evidence for evolution, and so they go with that. That's called old atheism. But new atheism is infecting people far quicker than old atheism did. It's because it's affecting Christians and non-Christians. And new atheism says this, I see suffering and pain in my life, in the people's lives around me. I've lost loved ones, I've lost a child, I've lost a girlfriend, I've lost a spouse. And if there is a God 
How can he allow this to happen so I no longer believe in God? That's the response to trouble and suffering when you don't have a theology about trouble and suffering. And I think we're living in a world that has such convenience, such uh, comfort. We, 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 we struggle when, when we, we face hardship. We don't know how to deal with pain and suffering. And, and we think that even things like duty and, 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 and service, those are all inconveniences. And people just want life to be easy. And it's not easy. We face trouble and suffering in our world. People are facing physical suffering, emotional suffering, financial suffering, and uh, mental suffering and economic suffering right now. And we need, need to know how to deal with it and how to manage it. Otherwise, it could lead to us falling away from God. Viktor Frankl said this. He said, just as the small fire is extinguished by the storm, whereas a large fire is enhanced by it, likewise a weak faith is weakened by predicaments and catastrophes, whereas a strong faith is strengthened by them. We need to know how to endure suffering because we need to see it as God's developmental tool rather than Satan's destructive tool. And you know, you need to be reminded again that Jesus, even though he was the son of God, he suffered. In fact, in Isaiah 53, he's called the suffering servant. And I want you to consider this for the moment. Jesus went to the cross, even though he was perfect and God loved him, he suffered a horrendous death of suffering on the cross. So did the good thief suffer and the bad thief suffers. It shows you that everyone faces suffering of some kind in our world. Augustine said this. He said, God had one son on earth without sin, but never one without suffering. And the scripture confirms it in the book of Hebrews, chapter 5 and verse 8. It says of Jesus, son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And that's why it's so wonderful for us to know that, you know, because Jesus suffered, when we suffer, we're not alone. And also it says in Hebrews that he understands and can sympathize with our weaknesses. So I'm going to give you six things today to help you develop a theology of suffering because did you know if you have a bad theology of suffering it actually makes suffering worse but when you have a clear understanding of what you believe about God and about suffering in our world it'll make it easier. So six things number one the first thing we need to understand in dealing with trouble and suffering is this don't be unrealistic about trouble and suffering. People are unrealistic about it, so when it comes, they are absolutely shocked. And the most common question we ask is, why is this happening to me? And my question to you would be, why not? Instead of asking the question all the time and wondering why things are going wrong, why not? Don't be unrealistic about it. The great theologian Blaise Pascal put it like this. He said, great and small suffer the same mishaps. Have you noticed? Rich and poor people they both have suffering. If you're rich, you don't escape suffering. You can lessen it somewhat, but you don't escape suffering. So all of us need to be realistic about trouble and suffering and realize it will come into our lives. Why is it that we are surprised when we suffer? We live under the fall. We live under a creation that is actually, the Bible says, groaning. And, uh, and, and the earth since the fall of Adam is undergoing terrible challenges. We'll be told in the news that it's global warming. But it's not. It's the sign of the times and it's clearly spoken of in the Bible.
Paul in the book of Romans speaks about suffering. He's just spoken about salvation, but he's very careful when he gets to chapter 8 to talk about suffering because you can be saved and suffer. Don't be unrealistic about it and don't have wrong expectations. In Romans 8 and verse 22, he describes the world we're living in. And he says, for we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. The world's been undergoing tremendous pressures and pains and we're in a state of decay and we're getting worse and worse. And he says, and we believers also groan. So it doesn't mean you escape it because you're a Christian. And he says, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of the future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Have you noticed we live in an unbelievably broken world? We have all sorts of sin and, and breakdowns. We have storms. We have uh, famines. We have uh, hurricanes and earthquakes. We have diseases. All these things are not the result of us just using the planet. They're all part of the winding down of this planet for the ultimate one day where God creates a new heavens and a new earth. So we shouldn't be surprised at pain and suffering. It's all part of the process of what God is actually allowing. And we think we can create this utopia on that's what we've been told all the time if you get the right political manifesto and if you get the right green deals then you'll know we'll have this amazing planet no we won't we're groaning and you need to be realistic about it it's going to be part of the process of God winding down until he brings the future glory that we're all waiting for the earth is not our home the new heavens and the new earth is actually our home and what we're experiencing now is almost a contradiction we've got God on our side but we've got trouble in our lives Paul in 2 Corinthians explains that we're actually experiencing a contradiction in our lives. We're on this planet, we're experiencing God's glory, but at the same time we're undergoing suffering and trouble. How can that be? Well, 2 Corinthians explains it. He says, we now have this light shining in our hearts. But then unfortunately there's that terrible word, but. He says, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. You're weak, but you've got incredible glory in you. So there's going to be trouble. You're going to get cracked. You're going to get chipped, but God still lives in you. He says, this makes it clear that our great power is from God, not ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. So there's pressure. He says, we are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. How many of you know we're being hunted down by a virus? You can't see it, but it's trying to come upon us. He says here, we get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. So clearly, we face tremendous pressure. And then he wraps up by saying this. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. In other words, what he's really saying, it's bad, but it's not so bad. You're going through tough times, but God lives in you. And you know what it is? It's we're the old Adam 
and we've got the new Adam living in us. And so there's almost a contradiction and we face trouble and suffering, yet God blesses us and guides us and lives within us and gives us joy and helps us in trouble and suffering. Don't have unrealistic expectations about your life. They're going to lead to disappointment and you could end up losing your faith. You need to hold on to faith and have a realistic understanding of what the Bible teaches about suffering. Paul says here we're pressed. That means we're afflicted. We, 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 we are distressed. We will experience that. He says we are perplexed. That means we're confused. We're baffled. We don't know. We can't quite figure out what's going on. Many people would love to know what does the future hold, but we're perplexed. This virus has caused us to be perplexed and to be confused, but God gives us hope in the midst of it. He says we're hunted down. That means, you know, we're going to be persecuted. Things are going to come and track us down. Diseases are going to find us. But, but, but God protects us and he takes care of us. Then he says this, he says we're knocked down, but we're not destroyed. You know, they say in the original language, what it means is we're knocked down, but we're not knocked out. It's like a boxer. We, we get up to go another round. So we, we, we take strain, we get whacked, but we get back up. Why? Because Christ lives in us and we manage suffering through his presence in our lives. I read a book this week by a man called Paul David Tripp, and the book's simply called suffering and the reason I went and read it was as I researched for the message and was preparing to speak on it I came across this book and I discovered that he was a pastor who had served the Lord in missions and was incredibly faithful to God suddenly got kidney disease and his whole world was turned upside down he couldn't preach anymore he had to go on dialysis carried a bag and it was extremely traumatic and I want to read to you what he says just a short quote when we talk about realistic expectations he says, although I had right theology in place, somehow at street level, my expectations were unrealistic. And unrealistic expectations always make suffering harder. He goes on to say, each of us brings to our suffering things that shape the way we suffer. We all suffer, but we don't suffer the same way because our suffering is shaped by what we carry into the difficulties that come our way. You see, you've got to have a certain belief about God. You've got to know that God lives in you. You've got to know that suffering is a normal part of life. And when you have that right theology and that right understanding, suffering will be easier. If you've got wrong expectations, oh, this is just the devil and I can rebuke him. And you know, Christians don't suffer. No, no, then you're going to, it's going to be even harder for you to cope with. We need to remember great men like Job suffered in the Bible. And when you read Job chapter 14 and verse 1, God speaks to us and he says this, mortals born of women are of few days and full of trouble. So we don't live forever. Some people's lives are short. Sadly, some people die young. Why does God let that happen? It's part of living on the earth. Don't have unreasonable expectations. If you live a long life, be extremely grateful. And he says you're few of days and full of trouble. That's the nature of life. And we need to understand God allows it and has a purpose in it. Even ordinary people, Ordinary, industrious, good, hardworking family people who go about their jobs, who try and establish a business, who live godly lives, will face things that go wrong and will face trouble 
and suffering. The Bible teaches us and it tells us that when we face it, we don't escape it, but God is there to help us. Let me read to you from Psalm 107, because Psalm 107 is a wonderful psalm. Got a lot of groups of people who went through trouble and then they called on God. But I'm just going to single out one group here and then another group later on in the message. Psalm 107 verse 23, and it says this, it says, Some went out on the sea in ships. It's just people. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. So they experienced life in a wonderful way and they saw opportunity to do trade. And then it says, for he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. Now suddenly everything begins to change. These people are just going out to make a profit. It says they mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. There were highs and lows. And in their peril, their courage melted Away. They just wanted to do some business, wanted to make some profit. Now suddenly they're up in there and they're, down, they're going through storms. And it says they reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits end. Ever been at your wits end? Felt helpless? You're just a normal person trying to make a living? God, what's going on? See, if you've got unrealistic expectations, you won't realize that this is part of life. Well, the psalm goes on to say, Then they cried out to the Lord, in their trouble. They prayed. They knew where to look. And it says, and he brought them out of their distress. Interesting word. You see, trouble leads to distress because it has an emotional impact. But we need to call on God and realize this is part of life. He stilled the storm to a whisper, it says, and the waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Well, if God is good and he's wonderful and he loves and he does wonderful deeds, why didn't he stop the storm? You see, don't have unrealistic expectations. Go about your business, make a profit. If you lose a job, find another one. If a business closes, try another one. We've got to know how to manage trouble and not have unrealistic expectations because in the midst of it all, God is still there and he still guides and he still leads and his presence is there. I've taken a bit of time over point one, but I think it's important if you're going to handle trouble and suffering correctly, don't have unrealistic expectations. It happens to all of us. Number two, the second thing we realize about suffering and trouble is their benefits. We need to accept it as removing self-reliance and self-sufficiency. We don't realize how at times we rely on ourselves and we're self-sufficient. And most people say, I don't need God. Well, when suffering and trouble comes, it's amazing how you'll change. Because suddenly you realize you're vulnerable, you're weak, you're just human. And then your pride goes and you go, I need your help, God. Or you turn to others and you look for help. And so suffering and trouble can have a very good impact on our lives because they remove that self-sufficiency and that self-reliance. I have to tell you, I don't like it when suffering comes and I have to rely on others. I, 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 I don't like a feeling of being weak, but it makes me get closer to God. It draws me to lean on him much more than I would when everything is going well. And you know what? We live under a delusion that we're actually strong. We're not strong. It's only when trouble comes that we realize actually we're quite fragile. We're quite weak, really. And you know, this time, this time of lockdown, and this time of COVID has revealed to a lot of us what we're really like and how we really need God. And we can either cling to him 
and lose our self-reliance and our self-sufficiency and say, Lord, actually I'm quite weak. Or we can say, I don't need him and I'll get through this thing and we can come through it bitter and possibly even away from God. So it's so important for us to understand this. Paul David Tripp in his book goes on to say this. He says, we like to think as human beings that we are so advanced and capable. But look around. All it takes is a single virus to shut down the entire world. Let this time remind you that you were created to be dependent on the creator. Exposing our delusion of self-sufficiency is a painful thing, but a good thing. So suffering is, is something that is good for us because it shows us who we are. You see, for a lot of people, suffering is pointless. Why is this happening? They just see it as inconvenience and as pain and as trouble. And why do I have to go through this? But the Christian sees it differently. This must be doing something in me, otherwise God wouldn't be allowing it. This must be accomplishing God's will in the earth, otherwise God wouldn't be allowing it. And uh, I think that we need to look at it like the psalmist did. When we see things like this and we go through things like this, we need to say, hang on a minute, this is actually going to turn out for the good, not for the bad. Psalm 119 and verse 71, David says, my suffering was good for me, for he taught me to pay attention to your decrees. Your instructions are more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. You know, this time of suffering can teach us what's really important and who is actually in charge of our lives. And it can turn out to be something really good. Thomas Manton, the English pastor, said this. He said, while all things are quiet and comfortable, we live by sense rather than faith. And it's so true. When everything's going well, we can live by our flesh, our emotions, our own strength and our own wonderful gifts that God has given so many of us. But when hard times come and suffering comes, we lose our self-reliance and we lose our self-sufficiency and to depend on God is not a bad thing. Number three, the third thing when facing trouble and suffering is realize God is involved and aware of our suffering. It can so easily feel that God is not aware of our suffering and he's not involved in our suffering. God is inextricably connected to our lives and connected to what's happening in our lives and he's intimately involved in what we face and it's all part of his divine plan, what happens on this planet and what we go through. You say, well, how can that be? Is God sadistic? No, he uses it for his perfect purpose and he allows it because it's a developmental tool rather than a destructive tool. And so we need to see that God is involved. Suffering takes place under his sovereign rule and happens in the midst of his redemptive plan. And so we need to know that even people who are in the perfect will of God, even people like David who was a man after God's own heart, will face suffering because God is involved and aware of what we're going through. Now Psalm 22 and verse 11, the psalmist cries out, he says, be not far from me for trouble is near. You know, there are times when you can feel trouble is closer than God. And it's a feeling. It's not a reality. Because God is closer than the feelings that you're experiencing. Psalm 46 says God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. So sometimes what happens is trouble and distress and suffering create an atmosphere that make us feel that God is not close. He's left us for a time and now we're facing the suffering on our own. No, no, he's aware of it 
and he's involved. And Paul reminds us again, Romans chapter 8, which many of us know so well, but it's worth being reminded. He says in verse 35, who then can separate us from the love of Christ? Can trouble do it? Or hardship? Or persecution? Or COVID? Or hunger? Or poverty? Or danger? Or death? It tries to, but it can't. And then he says, no, in all these things, we have complete victory through him who loved us. So don't let suffering and trouble make you think God doesn't love you. Nothing can separate his love from you. Don't let your feelings separate his love from you. Paul says, for I am certain. You see, he's got a theology of suffering. He knows, hang on a minute, this feeling is not going to rule me. I have a belief about who God is. I am certain that nothing can separate us from his love, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor heavenly rulers or powers, neither the present nor the future, neither the world above nor the world below. There is nothing in all creation that will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is ours, he says, through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we can see from this passage that nothing can separate us from God's love, only our own feelings and our own emotions. And, and, and this is what we sometimes think when we look at the world and we look at our lives. I'm going through suffering, but who am I that God should be involved in the affairs of my little life? God's only involved in the big affairs of life. No, no, no. The Bible clearly teaches us that God is involved in the big affairs of the planet of nations, but then he's also involved in the small affairs of our personal lives, and he's not far from us, the Bible says. Remember when Paul went to Athens and he spoke to the Greeks in Acts chapter 17? And uh, he says this as he preaches. He's preaching theology, a belief about God. And he says, from one man he made all the nations. See, big things. That they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times, the, the times that nations would exist in history, and the boundaries of their lands. God's involved in the big stuff of the planet. But then he says, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. But now suddenly he comes to the personal. He says, though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. God is involved in everything. He's aware of everything and he's aware of your life. And even though it doesn't feel like it, you're going through trouble and suffering God is very aware of it and you need to keep trusting him and keep your eyes on him. Number four, the fourth thing we need to do is remember suffering is true spiritual warfare. When suffering takes place and trouble comes into our lives, it's like spiritual warfare. Not the weird stuff you've heard about where people do weird things and say weird things and have strange prayer meetings. No, no. This is a spiritual war that's got to do with truth or lies, faith or doubt. And, 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 and there's a battle for our hearts. You see, when trouble and suffering come, they don't just affect the material, they affect our hearts. This doesn't just attack our situation, it attacks our souls. And so we need to be aware there's a spiritual war that's taking place through the trouble and suffering that's aiming to remove our faith and damage our souls and take us off course. The book of Job is the classic example. And you need to remember when we read this book, Job was a man of incredibly high standing, extremely wealthy, highly respected in the world that he lived in. He had a wonderful family, a large family. They enjoyed much and enjoyed blessing. He had a wife that supported him and he was respected across the land. As you read the whole book, the things he did, the people who knew him. But Job was not immune from trouble 
and suffering. And it struck him down. He lost everything. He lost his family. All he was left with was his wife. No home, no children, no wealth. His body covered in boils. And it's a spiritual war that's taking place. It's the enemy saying to God, he only serves you because you bless him. And now what is Job going to do? Is he going to lose the war? Yes, you're right. God isn't good. No, even his wife comes alongside and gives him some advice because she enters the spiritual war and attacks him. And what it says in the book of Job, uh, chapter 2 and verse 9, Job's wife, it says his wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God? And not trouble in all this Job did not sin in what he said. You see, it's so important for us as we go through a spiritual war to hold on to our faith and to not allow people to persuade us. You know, when a soldier is being trained and prepared for battle, you don't know the true value or worth of a soldier until he actually goes into the battle. And then you know. Oh, wow, the training has paid off. And it's the same for us. We can read the scriptures, we can go to church, but when we go into the heat of battle and trouble and suffering come, then suddenly you can tell the worth of a Christian's belief and the level of their faith. It's only in intense warfare conditions where a soldier's armor and his uniform and his weapons and, and the military hardware are actually shown for what they are. They can't be shown in times of peace. They're shown in times of battle. And we are often tested through suffering and trouble. And God can see what's really in our hearts. And so we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't have these unrealistic expectations. We should realize that our self-sufficiency and self-dependency go. And God can use it. He's involved and he's aware. And now there's a spiritual war going on. What are we going to do? Are we going to come to this victorious? Or is this thing going to crush us? The great apostle Peter gives us some advice in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6. He says, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you've had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ Jesus is revealed. Then he says this, though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not now see him, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. In other words, you don't see God. You're not, having, you're not having a physical encounter with him, Peter says, but you continue to walk with him and believe and your faith is being tested as being genuine. It's a spiritual war that's proving you as a soldier of Christ Jesus. You know, if you talk to jewelers, they'll tell you there's only one test to prove the genuineness of a diamond. And you know what it's called? It's called the water test. Because when you look at diamonds in the open air and a fake diamond, it's quite hard to tell, even with a magnifying glass, the difference between the two. But they say immediately when you put them into water, you can tell because the genuine one continues to sparkle, but the fake one loses its sparkle. We're being put in deep water at the moment as believers and we need to realize that this is proving the genuineness of our faith. Let's be victorious as we go through this deep water and show that we genuinely love God, we genuinely trust him and we're not doubting him at this time because he is involved and he's aware 
of the suffering that we're going through. It's so easy to go through suffering and allow it to distort your life and to shape the way you look at life. You know, suffering has an effect on your, your view of life. It's like you start to look at life with a jaded lens and you start to go, oh, hang on a minute, I don't see life like this anymore. And you start to doubt God. You know, Israel did that when they went through the wilderness. Their lens changed because they weren't aware this was a spiritual war. The Egyptians wanted to keep them and own them, but God wanted to set them free and make them his people. So there was a spiritual war going on. And they, they, their lens changed so much that in the book of Deuteronomy, they start to believe that God actually brought them out into the wilderness to harm them. Now, that's not what God does. He doesn't harm us. He takes us through things to develop us. And, and notice this in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 27. This is God making his, his, build, building his own nation, making these people his own. And it says, you grumble to one another. The Lord hates us. He brought us out of Egypt just to hand us over to these Amorites so that they could kill us. You see, when you go through trouble and suffering, you've got to be careful. Your lens doesn't get distorted because there's a battle going on. In number 16, two of the key leaders, Nathan and Abiram, they say to Moses, isn't it enough that you've brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us? In the wilderness. They saw Egypt as a land of milk and honey. And they thought God was bringing them into the wilderness to kill them. Their lens got distorted because they didn't know how to deal with trouble and suffering. And they didn't win the spiritual war that they were going through. Let me continue. Two more quickly. Number five. Suffering is overcome by prayer and praise. The best way of dealing with suffering is through prayer and and praise. Most of us complain and whine and withdraw instead of coming to God in prayer, bringing our needs and in praise. If you've read the book of Acts, you'll know in chapter 16, Paul and Silas were in a place called Philippi and they were preaching the gospel. They were in the dead center of God's will, doing God's bidding. They'd made many sacrifices to be missionaries and obeyed the call of God. But they were arrested and put in prison and they faced terrible, terrible suffering. Their predicament was worse than what we're going through. They were in a lockdown situation, but they resorted to prayer and praise. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Let me read to you from Acts 16 and verse 22. So you can see the extent of what they went through. They had every reason to complain. We don't really have reason to complain. It says the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods after they had been severely flogged. Notice that, severely flogged. They were thrown into prison. They weren't led or taken this way. They were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, the, the, the safest place deep inside the prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. They were in lockdown, man, bleeding, beaten, aching, wounded. But it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. 
The people around you are watching what you're doing. Are you whinging and whining and complaining? Or are you praying and praising? The best thing to do in trouble and suffering is to pray and to commit yourself to God like they did in the storm in Psalm 107. And then God came and he guided them. And to give praise to God, Lord, I praise you that you're still in control, that you haven't abandoned me. I may feel like it. Trouble may seem nearer than you, but nothing can separate me from your love. And it goes on to say, suddenly, this is what they experienced. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Well, why did God allow it? Couldn't he have protected them from the rods? Well, clearly he didn't. And they chose not to ask why. Why did God allow this? We were doing his will. Instead, they prayed and they praised and everyone around listened and everyone around's chains came off. You want to free your family in your home? You want their chains to come off, their chains of depression, their chains of suffering? Begin to praise God, begin to worship God, begin to speak positively of who God is and what God can do. Never accuse God, never sow doubt. And listen, praise is not about church services. Praise can happen anywhere. It can happen in a dungeon. It can happen in a bathroom. It can happen in a shower. It can happen in a kitchen. And in fact, it should if you want to deal with pain and trouble and suffering correctly. So let's understand how this works and let's not allow this to defeat us. Number six, and as we come to a close, this is the thing you need to do as you go through trouble and suffering. Persevere in faith with God's goodness in mind. Keep going, but have God's goodness in mind. You see, when the Hebrew boys were thrown into that fiery furnace, they said, our God will deliver us. They didn't say, oh gosh, what's going to happen? They said, our God will deliver us, even if he doesn't. You see, it's so important for us to persevere with our faith. I'm not letting go of what I believe, and I'm expecting the best. Well, they came out without a hair on their bodies being singed. And so we must persevere in faith, hold on to our faith, but we must expect the best. One last verse here as we close this point. James chapter 5 and verse 10. He says, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. So he's saying, look back, look what they did. They persevered. They had patience. They expected a better outcome. Then he says, you've heard of Job's perseverance and you've seen what the Lord finally brought about. It's not just what you're going through. You need to persevere with what God's going to do in mind. Something good is coming up. I've got God's goodness in mind. And then he says, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So while God is good, we do have to go through suffering, but we need to keep persevering with his goodness in mind because this can't go on forever and suffering and trouble usually come to an end and we have a season of blessing and then trouble and suffering come again. But if we've got a sound theology, it makes it easier to bear and we're able to cope. So today, don't be unrealistic about suffering and about trouble. Accept it and realize that God can use it to grow your life God is involved in the suffering. He's very aware of it. It's spiritual warfare. Uh, we need to pray and praise in it. And then we need to persevere and keep going and not let go and keep God's goodness in mind. 
As I come to a close today, you know, most of life causes us to operate on a horizontal plane. We relate to people, we relate to things, we relate to money, we relate to opportunities. But often when trouble and suffering come, it forces us to relate on a vertical level. We suddenly realize that this is not enough and there's not enough here to comfort us and to help us cope. We need something more and so we tend to look vertically. And as I close today, I want to remind you that often what can happen is you can live your life independent of God. Maybe you're watching today or listening today and you, you've been living independent of God. You, you don't need God. You, you, you manage on your own. You've got great gifts and talents and opportunities and money. But suddenly now trouble and suffering have come and you realize, hang on a minute, I can't do this alone. Well, it's not an entirely bad thing because that's what causes us to come to God and to lean on Him. And uh, when we live independent, we don't need Him. But when we realize we're not self-sufficient, that's when we come to Him and we can find salvation. If today you have lived a life of sin and you've messed up your life and maybe you realize, man, this is why I've got such a lot of trouble and suffering in my life. Well, then turn to the Lord and say to him, Lord, I realize I can't live my way. can't live without you. Why don't you come into my life? See, self-sufficiency and, uh, and, and strength go. But then that's when you come to God and that's when God can come into your life. So if that's you today and you, maybe you're a Christian, you've taken your eyes off God through the suffering, or maybe today you're a, a person who's never believed, but you realize, man, I can't do it alone. Well, God is ready and waiting to save you, to forgive you, but you need to acknowledge your weakness, your sin, and come to him and receive his strength and receive his love. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 